You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time for a Tuesday Locked On Syracuse podcast. It's Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky here with you as we are every single weekday. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're here to give you the lowdown on the latest Syracuse news. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse and feel free to give a little review of the show, subscribe, comment, give us any sort of interaction, whether you want to just reach out to us on Twitter and give us a topic we should discuss on the show. We are more than welcome to hearing from you guys and, and we we would love that if, if you would reach out to us that way. But Ty, some sort of somber news to start out the show today. I know this came out Sunday night, right around 6.30, 6.15 Sunday night, that Jim Beheim tested positive for COVID-19. Last we heard, and sort of what we've heard as of recording this, is that he's asymptomatic and one other player has also tested positive. So that's where we stand right now, but I think we should kind of dive into what this sort of means. And, And obviously, first and foremost, we... We wish Coach Beheim a speedy recovery with this because he's in that age bracket that makes it a little bit more concerning, turning 76. Actually, maybe if you're listening to this podcast when it came out, this is Coach Beheim's birthday. So happy birthday to him. He's 76 tough, today tough birthday on Tuesday. To have, but yeah. Yeah, and and I think he's he's in isolation at home, and, and the practice facilities are all shut down as expected now. And, and I think Syracuse is now one of like 30 teams that is basically shut down for a couple weeks here as they await more results and stuff. But it, it stung a little bit. I, I don't know. There's There's obviously been a lot of COVID tests that have popped up positive, and that one just hit a little bit harder because he's in that age range that makes you a little bit worried about it. And he's a cancer survivor too. Yeah, well— I will say this, the asymptomatic thing, obviously good news. I don't know how many times he's been tested so far because we have seen false positives. I mean, you look at Nick Saban, he was a false positive, one of the the big college football coaches that he almost had to sit out a game because of it, but he ended up testing negative, I think like three times after his positive test to show that it was. So um, hopefully everything goes smoothly with, with coach Beheim and, the, the asymptomatic, obviously a good first step there. Yeah. So I, I guess the, the larger discussion is sort of, okay, Bryant is, is scheduled for November 27th. That puts us, what, 10 days away from 10 Bryant? days now, yep. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's that's not quite in a desirable window for, for having a positive test on Sunday, but it seems like the ACC and it's been conference to conference on a lot of this stuff. And a lot of conferences have sort of found a way around the game. If you get either proof that a, like you're saying, maybe it was a false positive to begin with, but seems less likely that that's the case. If there was one other positive player and, you know, I think most are assuming that's buddy Bayheim makes logical sense that he would be the player, but we have no knowledge of that. And it's not really worth speculating on it. It, The bottom line is there's two people. And I think that probably increases the chances, maybe if anything, that it was an original positive and that was a a true positive from coach Bayheim. But, you know, I I think the discussion of Bryant as the season opener now becomes, okay, what do you do with that? And I'm not against pushing it back if you have to, especially if it's in that time period where now they're going to be going in off of very little practice and and sort of going in a little more cold to that season opener. And the way that I also view it is, will Bryant want to push it back? And I think they would be good with that. Um, obviously, this is going to be a weird year 
a lot of a lot of unknowns but by the time this game is being played all students are going to be home for the majority of college campuses pretty much until what january 15th january 20th ish in yeah. that range so you're, you're gonna have all these students off campus basically the ones who are responsible for super spreading are going to be off of these campuses by then so that's obviously a good news just for college basketball as a whole and that's why i think college basketball is actually going to get off and i won't say without a hitch because that would just be foolish especially when there's yeah. over 350 programs but i do think college football or college basketball rather is going to have a lot more success than college football because you're not going to be on a campus again college campuses are the most condensed um populations of human beings so you're going to eliminate that again i mean think about just uh what was it the the syracuse duke game okay from two years ago the zion, the year zion was supposed to yeah, play 35k yeah. didn't that game make syracuse the what was it it would have been like the third or fourth most populous city in the entire state of new york yeah like that's the con that's how condensed and how how packed in these populations are and Man, I miss those days. Sorry, I know. Just thinking yeah, about seriously. that crowd, it's it's a different world. Exactly. I'm actually I'm I'm looking right now. I bought that that little piece of of dome oh, right. roof, yeah. and I've got it sitting right in front of me when I record the shows. I've got I see the dome full thirty five thousand six hundred forty three on February twenty third, twenty nineteen, and you can see Zion and his sweats on the sideline. No, you can't. Uh, the picture's too small. <laughs> but um. No, I I just think that it's going to have a lot more success than college football because you're going to be rid of all of these students, the ones who, quite frankly, aren't taking a lot of this seriously. And I know Syracuse had a huge spike, and, and Central New York as a whole had a huge spike in cases the the last couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting. I know the Syracuse students have officially been sent home for the semester. Yeah, I believe that that came into effect earlier this week. Which maybe honestly, even last I, week they kind of maybe outdid expectations a little bit in that regard. I mean, yeah, how absolutely. You and I and, thought we would maybe get two, three weeks. And I think even talking to some of my friends that are still there as students, yeah. they thought they were getting a month, maybe. And the fact that and, they made it almost to Thanksgiving, basically making it to the target date that the university and many universities across the country had set was almost a, a miracle. Yeah, I think from talking to friends that are still there or people that work around there or whatever, the consensus, at least, and I think you would probably agree with this, at least to me, the consensus was they were pretty pleased, the people that were there, about how seriously the students were taking it and how often they were wearing masks and that some people might be like, oh, yeah, the students blew it, blah, blah, blah. I think that's students kind of Students didn't foolish. blow it, it was, no. It was I, inevitable, I, yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I that's kind that. of off topic. But, yeah, I, I thought... You know, that was more of a product of the spiking in Syracuse and in and around central New York than what the students were doing. Anyway, I, I think you're right that college football, I mean, there's there's been a lot of hiccups in college football. And I think what we've learned throughout this very strange process of sports in the COVID world is that they, they keep trudging along. Like people are finding ways to make this work. So I think it's foolish to just sit here and be like, hey, this season's not going to happen. And and maybe some people were listening when we kind of called the college football season and some people would adamantly disagree with us at that point. But we were just sort of reporting what, what the temperature of the room was then. And the temperature and of the we room were wrong. isn't... Listen, like, we'll say, yeah, we, we, were, we wrong. were wrong. And we're okay. happy to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we also <laughs> yeah, said so, too. We would be happy to be wrong. Now, 
right. maybe we could have and done without a one and seven football team on the field, and that's something that we were more <laughs> right on. But we yeah, were wrong about I, the fact that college football wasn't going to get off. And I, I think I'm I'm optimistic that college basketball happens, though. I mean, it definitely happens, is what I'm yeah, saying. The, the start it, date may be up in the air, but yeah, it's you heard happen. Gavitt say yesterday that. Dan Gavitt that they're just going to, you know, they haven't changed the start date yet. And also the news comes out that Indianapolis is going to be hosting every tournament game and every round of it. I saw a great tweet that good. Syracuse needed to be the the host site because they, no one knows the NCAA bubble like Syracuse. Yeah. So you need <laughs> to have the bubble in Syracuse. And honestly, I mean, obviously not the most ideal place for people to spend their time for, what is that, three, four weeks, I would say. But yeah, mo- it's... It's not cold in March. Like you've got the dome, you can accompany for that. I'm sure you could slap down a basketball floor at the War Memorial. Like you had some options there. You could probably squeeze in what three courts, maybe, because who knows what the band situation is going to be. So yeah, Yeah. Lemoyne's got a a, a OCC. Like there have been NCAA competitions at those schools too. So it's not. Yeah, and they played that uh, Bayheim's Army game there. Yeah, at OCC, right? A lot of games there. Yeah. Yeah. And if fans so, aren't a thing, then you're less who cares, worried about yeah. Right, yeah. You just need some cameras. No, I, I think Syracuse should be a regional site once we return to that. I'm kind of they're kind of overdue to come back to the like sweet sixteen stage at Syracuse or something like that. Right. That was fun and I sort of missed that. Alright, so there are question marks about the season, but we do know there will be games to some extent. And when there are games and you're sitting on the couch and you're watching Syracuse no better beer to go to than Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Watching football or basketball is therapeutic defense. It's uninterrupted me time, an excuse to chill and drink beer. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team right now just to drink beer. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill, and as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Nothing like cracking open a Coors Light when the mountains are blue, Hearing that little sizzle, it's the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I think college basketball is going to happen, obviously. And there's going to be hiccups, but... Not to the point that I would be too skeptical about it. We asked Matthew Gutierrez yesterday on the show about it, and I think everyone has their varying degrees of how skeptical they are, and it's for good reason, right? Like, this COVID-19 is not going away. It's spiking, and if you're of the opinion that it, it is going away, I, I think, like, the facts just say you're wrong at this point because it, it's winter, and and we've seen that it's sort of indisputable that, that these facts are coming, but then you also see good reports about a vaccine. It's it's a weird time that we're living in. Things are changing rapidly. And college basketball is going to be a different, different breed this year. It's not going to be a normal season by any means. This Bryant game might not happen on November 27th. I'm at the point now where it, it probably won't happen. And maybe they don't play Bryant this year. But they'll probably play Rutgers on December 8th if there's no other COVID cases. And if they have to push back that game, they push back that game. They're going to get through as many as possible. There's going to be hiccups, and then we'll get to the NCAA tournament, and I think once you get there in sort of a bubble environment, kind of, if it's in Indianapolis, which reports indicate, then you should be good from there on out to an extent. So, you know, it's going to be kind of like college football, and if you if you think there's not going to be hiccups, you're probably wrong, but I also just don't see a world where it stops or it becomes too much of an issue. 
Yeah, you're going to find the happy medium somewhere. You're going to find the medium of, okay, there are going to be teams, players, coaches, and, and maybe even staff members that are going to be infected. Like, the, the odds against that are minus a billion, okay, that no NCAA player gets infected from here until the start of the tournament. It, it's just going to happen. But yeah, I would say the same thing about will we see an NCAA basketball game this year? I would say if you think that we're not going to see a single NCAA basketball game this year, I would say you are wrong. We, I mean, yeah. we're 10 days out now at this point for most schools. So I'm, it, it's all about finding that balance. And that's kind of where we're at right now. And that's kind of where we've learned to be with it too. So again, the virus remains serious. It remains a big threat to the grand picture, but in the immediacy of it. And again, by the time we get to March, we may see things change, whether it's the the vaccines and stuff. I saw, what, today that there was a, a, a report that, I think it's Moderna is the name of the, the, the company, yeah. that they have one that is supposedly like 93, 94% effective right now. Now, of course, a lot more has to go into that. And then on yeah, top they, of they that, they tested 100 to, people. But yeah, still, and then on promising. top of that, you have to, you still have to, mass produce said vaccine too and, and get it cleared by the fda and i mean again i'm i'm no um, it's above our pay grade <laughs> yeah i'm no infectious disease expert but yeah that's the syracuse podcaster right like, <laughs> yeah you, you right. just got and i wasn't even in like the medical school i don't even know if syracuse has a medical school so phd tyler is is not the person you should be trusting with whether or not you should be getting this vaccine tomorrow but i I look at this whole thing and how, how people have navigated. And again, Syracuse athletics in general has done a very good job. I mean, uh, Dino Baber spoke yesterday. He said that their program has gotten zero positives once again through, through the, the bye week yeah, too. Awesome. So you continue to see a lot of good news with a number of programs. And I, I think that's promising for once these students leave campus, you are going yeah. to see a lot more success and a lot more negatives out of these programs. So before we and by get negatives, into, I mean negative tests. Right. Yeah, I got you. Um, before we get into basketball recruiting, uh, a recent offeree for Syracuse, we're going to discuss him and kind of profile him in a sec. But uh, quick question for you. Does the shutdown and the timing of the shutdown kind of before the season is about to begin, whether it begins against Brian or not, does that impact how you view this team? Like, will it have any effect on, oh, maybe they'll start out a little bit slower? Because I think I'm at the point where they've had enough practice time. And Beheim's talked about where they have been playing or practicing even more than normal. And, and it's sort of weird that that's the case, but that has been the case given sort of the timetable of all this and that, it didn't start as early as maybe another season would start, but they've had more practice time. So, well, it's not ideal to just have to shut down facilities for 10, 14 days, whatever it ends up being. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal for a Syracuse team that's returning a lot. And to me is probably at a better situation than say a, a team like Kentucky that's bringing in a tons of freshmen. Now, I don't think Kentucky has shut down or anything, but there's a lot of schools out there that will fall into that category. I actually don't think this hurts them as much as some people think. And I'll get to examples why. First of all, so workouts are paused right now, but I believe the facilities are still open. Now, I don't think the basketball team can just go in there and work out right now. But, yeah, I, but I think the women's team, team is, can right? still yeah. work out, I believe. 
So well, shout out and of to course, them, uh, real quick, because they were number three in the ACC poll. And how about you should that? watch yeah. the women's team this year if you're, if you're listening to this podcast. They're a fun team to watch. We but should anyway, get Coach Q on before the season. Yeah, can we do that? Yeah, he's awesome. He's the and, best. And Tiana's back. Like that's going to be a really, really fun and a good team that has been good for a while now, and it's been on the rise. But now they're like a legit. You know, they could sneak into the Final Four again, which they've been to once, obviously under Coach Q, but. Tiana back, some good recruits. That's a fun team this year. Absolutely. Anyway, to answer your question, no, I don't think this hurts as much as people think. And here's why. Think about these NFL teams, okay, that have had these midweek little flare-ups where, okay, a guy goes on the COVID list, so we have to shut down our facility for a number of days. And we basically have meetings instead of practices leading into games. Well, those teams are still, for the most part, and I don't have exact numbers to back me up here, but just from the feel that I've gotten, most of those teams have been fine in terms of like, okay, they're covering spreads. So they're not getting their doors blown off. And they're even when they're favorite, It hurts them still, a little. Well, but it hurts them when they are the individual that comes down with it. Like we have seen Ezekiel Elliott this year just has not been the same running back. Cam, yeah, Newton, Cam Newton has had his yeah. struggles, of course. <laughs> right. So when you're the direct individual responsible or not responsible, but when you're the in- direct individual that's impacted, it's hurt. But as a, a broader sense of the team, I don't think it's been as impactful on, okay, we missed a couple days of practice and we're screwed. I don't think I it's been that way this year. As a Patriots fan, it kind of did derail their season, but they're kind well, of Well, it derailed their season because it was the quarterback. Yes, like, and then the it most was Gilmore, player. who's a, an outstanding defender for them too, and... Yeah, it was just at a bad time for their season. But you're right. I mean, they they hung with the Chiefs. But we've the seen week like that they well, lost Cam. I brought up yeah, exactly. And, and I brought up the, the Nick Saban thing. Well, Nick Saban was doing virtual practices for that entire week, and then he all of a sudden gets cleared and is good to go on game day. They still blew the doors off of Georgia, who was considered the best defense in college football at the time. So you look at some of these things, and, and the coach obviously like Bayheim, he doesn't have to go run up and down the floor. Now, he may have to, to hurl his jacket or whatever. or if, if Oh, no, they, they can wear polos now. So don't even worry about that <laughs> stuff anymore. But with someone like Bayheim, okay, sure, the meetings and stuff are now virtual. Guess what? They've been virtual, I would imagine, for most of the summers and stuff like that too. So I don't think that when it's the head coach that is the one that comes down with it, obviously we wish them the best in the recovery. But in terms of the drop-off in production for the team as a whole – I don't think it's been that bad. And again, I'm basing this off of mostly football examples, but that's really all the data we have right now. You know what I did before we recorded this? I went for my daily run, and I couldn't have gotten through it without the help of Built Go. You know, I was up before the crack of dawn today, something I don't like to do a lot. Really wasn't feeling this run. I'm hitting a wall before my day even begins, but thanks to Built Go... I broke through that wall, and you can too. All you gotta do is rip open one of these one and a half ounce packages and you'll be good to go so you can attack your day. I'm telling you, this is the best workout gel on the market. Ditch your old workout gels or energy drinks and go with the delicious and healthy option that Built Go provides. It comes in three amazing flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, which means it's fast absorbing and works quickly while also taking it easy on the stomach. Right now, go to BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you will get 20% off your next order. Let's go. 
All right, so getting into Syracuse basketball recruiting, and if you missed our discussion with Matthew Gutierrez, I I really, I don't say this a lot, but I think those were two of the best pods we've done in what has now been 201 episodes for us. And Goody, we always have him on, or we always try to get him on. He's always great, but especially this time, he had some great insight on 2022 class, Dior, the relationship with the staff. Like, go back and check that out if you like Syracuse I feel like he's been waiting to unleash a lot of that stuff. He's been waiting for it. And he got the opportunity, and he gave some interesting tidbits on on what happened. So I encourage you to check that out. If you have already seen that and and you're listening to this now, then we appreciate you listening. But uh, the new offeree that came out, kind of sort of on the heels of Dior and Roddy Gale and the misses there, and Dior decommitting, I guess I should more accurately say, is is it Quadir Copeland? Do we know how to say his first name? I think it's name? Kadir. Like, we we Kadir? can double check later, but yeah. Okay, yeah. And if anyone knows, maybe tweet at us or whatever. But bottom line is this kid's a combo guard, 6'6", 175. He is from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Basically like a, a tier down from some of the other recruits that their names are in. But still, uh, he's he's got a better offer sheet than his ratings indicate. He's 170-ish on 24-7, I believe, last I looked yep, in terms of overall. Yeah, and then his offers are Maryland, Miami, Oregon, Penn State. Syracuse adds to it. Michigan has not offered, but they've been interested. Virginia Tech has not offered, but they've been interested, according to 24-7 Sports. LaSalle, St. Joe's, Siena also rounded out. So, I mean, Maryland, Miami, Oregon, those are three programs that have have done a good job recruiting and recruit high-end talent. So I was a little bit more happy when I saw his offer sheet than seeing his rating, I think. And it's worth noting too, Mike McAllister spoke with him and he said that the it's it's early in the relationship with Syracuse, but the three schools recruiting him the hardest right now, Syracuse, Oregon, and Miami. So the fact that, like that. Syracuse has come out of the gates with a sprint is kind of nice. And what it says about the class of 2022 as a whole is that, okay, the rating probably is not going to be what we once anticipated. Again, What we once anticipated was that this was going to be a top five class in college basketball. Now, is someone like Copeland going to come in and be the the lowest rated guy in the class? Who knows? And again, also worth noting is that he's someone who just kind of fits into what Syracuse wants to do at the top of the zone. He's a long guy. Yeah, he's got good length. 6'6". He's probably going to be a guy that hangs around with them for for the entirety of his college career. And it just kind of fits what Syracuse wants at the top of that zone. And that's always not the worst thing in the world. And sometimes you do have to do a little digging. And I will say this, Syracuse has done a good job of digging when they've offered. And again, they're not, they're not first to the party here. I won't say they're late to the party here, but when they've offered some of these guys, you've seen them explode. Think about someone like Donovan Klingon, JJ Starling. Those guys have exploded into top 50 guys now, and it's because Syracuse was able to dig them up, and they they found some gems. Now, whether or not they even Benny, I mean, mean, even Benny, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he has exploded too. So that that's why I would say patience with Copeland. We don't know what's going to happen with him, but obviously there are other guys in 2022 that you would like to see on your team. But the roster situation, obviously, up in the air now with all these guys getting an extra year. And how's that going to work out? Are we going to see extra years of Alan Griffin, Joe Girard, Buddy Beheim, all that stuff? That's what we're dealing with now. I thought Goody put it well when he said that 2022, now they're going to look at a different tier. 
it, it sounds negative, but I, I think it's just the tier that they normally look at anyway. So your expectations might have to adjust if you were thinking top 10, top 15. What would you say is like the over under on, on class ranking? I mean, obviously this, this is kind of a foolish exercise because we don't know enough about these guys. But to me, I think you're, you're going to be seeing more of a customary Syracuse class of a, of a post Hopkins era, like 35th, 30th ranked class on 24 seven. You think you're in that ballpark now? I don't think it's going to be quite that bad. Cause I still think you, you have a, a good opportunity to pull in a couple four stars. Like if you got Taylor, if you got Ty Rogers, like that alone will put you top 30. Yeah. So, and that's and a realistic you, class to me. And, and, Rogers yeah, and, and Taylor. Right. And, and then you add in maybe someone like Copeland and then you're looking at top 25 probably. So yeah. I would say maybe you throw it at like 25, set that yeah. as your, your bar. And then there's uh Riley Mulvey who, I think is, is is a guy that's pretty realistic at this stage at the center position. You got competition there with Iowa and, and some schools that are also after him pretty good. But Ty Rogers, I forget who wrote this article, so I apologize for not sort of crediting it, but he mentioned that Syracuse is one of the, the two schools that is after him the most right now, and he's been talking to Bayheim pretty frequently. So Rogers, Chris Bunch, haven't heard a ton from Chris Bunch lately, but Taylor and Rogers are kind of come into the forefront for me as the most likely guys at at least at that sort of tier and position group. And, you know, it could change. I mean, we joked about how much it changed when we did the first couple sets of what is the percentage or who's most likely to come Taylor and Rogers would have been very low on that list. And I think it's, it's completely flipped the script. I mean, Roddy Gale was like 70% at one point for us and maybe not quite that high, but you know, we, we he, he were felt most confident in him. Right. Yes. And now who would you say? Taylor is probably the most confident guy. Taylor. At this point? Yeah. I would say Taylor, Ty Rogers, they're one, a one B for me. Yeah. And if the, okay, let's say that's the class, right? But I mean, this is all hypothetical. Don't assume that we're saying this is like sourced or anything, but if it's Rogers Taylor, are you satisfied? Yes. Because I think the transfer market is going to be, more yeah. of a, a tool that Jim Beheim is going to use, and yes, we've seen Beheim have a number of success stories with these transfers, and hopefully, Alan Griffin's next on what is a growing and growing list. But with, with the, the the transfer market constantly evolving, and the fact that you are going to have this one-time transfer waiver eventually passed, what what's the point of digging deep, of trying to hmm, let's see if I can find this diamond in the rough that's ranked in the 200s. No, just go out and, and find the guy who's unhappy with his playing time at a Power 5 school. Go get the guy who went to, I don't know, go get the guy who went to Auburn, who wasn't happy with his 10 minutes a game. Go get the guy who who went to Michigan. Illinois. And wasn't happy <laughs> with it, yeah, and wasn't happy with the 12 minutes that Jawan Howard was giving him. Go get that guy. Try to unlock that guy as opposed to crafting this long-term project. Yeah, they've had success there, obviously. And I think it's it's very clear that this staff is still very, you know, you can knock them and, and they haven't reeled in the top-notch guys. But I think you even mentioned this earlier on this podcast. They've done a good job of identifying talent in kind of that second or third tier. And I think Richmond's another example of that. We haven't really seen it on the floor yet because we haven't been able to, but he seems to me like someone that just should have been higher in recruiting rankings. And Elijah Hughes was that way. Of course, like they, they were on Hughes early and 
you got to give them credit. Like it was a transfer guy and Alan Griffin seems to be falling into that similar mold. I don't want to set the expectations too high on him and same with Richmond, but I like what they've done in the 50 to a hundred range. I just think they're not nabbing the 30 to 50 guys as much as you would like to see. And if you want to get back to the elite status that this program was at, where they were consistently at the top of their conference, you probably need to do a better job of that. And Benny Williams is one of them. So, you know, maybe it's unfair to say they're not nabbing him as much as possible, but or as much as they used to. It's just a new a new world here, and I think they're going to continue to lean more in on the three- or four-year guys because what they have now and what they're building with Bayheim, Gerard, and, and Richmond even, like that's a good core that I think is going to dig them out of this sort of bubble mediocrity standpoint that they've been in for a while here. And I think in two, three years, they'll be perceived as a different program. And then the idea is then you can pounce on a top 30 guy from that point. Right. And Or you go and create the top 30 guy, too. I mean, we've yeah. kind of seen that done with, with Benny. And he, I don't know what his exact ranking is right now, but I think there are some places out there that have him as a top 30 guy. So yeah, for sure. I think look so. At, and when you can do it yourself, that's that's even more beneficial. Yeah. All right, anything else on basketball recruiting or anything for, for this podcast before we sort of break here for the day? Uh, yeah, just one other thing. I, I saw that one of our friends, one of our Syracuse friends, Brent Axe over at oh, ESPN yeah. Syracuse, he also yeah. occasionally will, will have his column on, on Syracuse.com and the Syracuse Post Standard. He tested positive for COVID-19. So, Brent, I know that you are, you are a fan of the podcast and we are fans of you as well, and we are wishing you the best thoughts and prayers with you as well as the Bayheim family, um, in your, your, um, your recovery during yeah. these times. So Brent, uh, he, he, I remember he was doing a really cool thing during the, when, when COVID was very new and we were all kind of locked in our houses and he was doing like, these are the accounts you should follow. It was like follow Fridays and he would shout out different, um, yeah. different accounts. And he actually made our account one of the, the follow Fridays and he was Guess a big fan we of our Twitter going. games. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so Brent acts, uh, much, much thanks to you and, uh, best of luck in your recovery where our thoughts and prayers are with you as well. Yeah. Really an awesome guy. Like anytime I've ever gotten to interact with him. Did you been... have him? I, Cause I know he's an adjunct professor at Yes, Syracuse. I did, did have you, a class. So you had that. him yeah. at, I never had him, but all of my friends that had him loved the class that he took yes very good class and you know he just has this like great way of if if something good happens to you like if there's something that is worth congratulating or whatever he's always one of those people that reaches out and i would never say that like it it's not like it surprised me too much because at a certain point he's just you expect it from him because he's been doing it and, and that's the type of guy he is but at first it was like wow like that means a lot coming from him because I, you know, I just had a class with him. Like, it's not like we're best friends or something, but he still has, has a great way of doing that. So wish him all the best, big fan of him. And, and yeah, I mean, he, he said, go follow the Twitter account. So if you haven't followed it already, it's at LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter, but that'll do it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow. I think we're going to dive into some NBA draft, Elijah Hughes, mock draft. That'll be his big day. Yeah. Mm Yeah. Right, because Wednesday night is the draft this week. Looking forward to that, and we'll probably react to that at some point this week. And then Louisville is a Friday night game this week, so we'll we'll have to dig into to sort of the stats behind that game. Louisville's had a lot of players drop out uh, already because of COVID and 
some injuries, so that there could be a, a chance that Syracuse threatens there against Louisville on Friday night. We'll give you the full preview of that. Probably will drop some point on Thursday afternoon, if I were to guess. But we'll have the, the whole schedule ironed out for you guys in, in the coming days. And be on the lookout, subscribe, and you'll get it right to your preferred podcast feed. So for Tyler, I'm Tim. Talk to you guys tomorrow.